Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time once again for Closing the Wealth Gap. The one show, maybe the only show that shows you how to close the wealth gap in your own life with the man who's done it for many, our wealth coach himself, Tyrone French. Hey, Tyrone. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Closing the Wealth Gap. I'm your host, Tyrone French. Uh, thank you for tuning in today. And if you value this content, uh, please do me a favor. Just go to closingthewealthgap.net. Hit that follow button. Uh, also check out uh, tyronefrench.coach. Uh, we have some free information on there for you. We have an app that you can actually put into your phone uh, to stay in touch with us to get our updated content. And with that, I'm going to bring in my producer and good friend, Mr. Paul Roberts. Hey, How you doing, Paul Roberts? I'm doing good. I'm trying to stay dry. It's a wet day here in Southern California. Something hey, we, we need the for... rain. Boy, I'm I'll loving say. it. I'll say. I am loving it. Hey, you know, I, I was out for a little while. I uh, just want the, the, uh, my listeners know that uh, I had surgery on my eyelid. And I had to see a plastic surgeon. And before he did the procedure, he told me I was going to be black and blue. I had no idea I was going to be looking like I was in a bar fight. I, you sent me a picture. The whole thing swelled up and everything it looked horrible. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It looked like I caught a fastball going 95 miles yeah, an hour, man. Yeah, right. So, but hey, I tell you what, though, I was registered to go to to be in San Diego last weekend mm -hmm. for the Military Wealth Summit and was hosted by a gentleman named Douglas James. I'll get into that in more detail in a minute. But one of the free one of the featured guests was Robert Kiyosaki, the guy you talk about all the time. A matter of fact, I, my book, Closing the Wealth Gap, I dedicated my book to Robert Kiyosaki. So when I found out he was going to be there, uh, man, I just, I, I pulled out my sunglasses <laughs> <laughs> from, from Long Beach to San Diego. And uh, I attended that meeting and man, I was sitting there looking like Stevie Wonder the whole time, but I was loving it. And you got to go backstage and hang out with them and all this stuff you're the wealth coach of course i mean you didn't just sit in the back of the room here you got to interact with the guy well, well here's the thing um he's a he's a busy man very extremely busy i had a vip access pass um he was there on a on a uh, saturday night mm -hmm. and what they did was they changed the venue and i had a lot of things going on during the weekend but they changed the venue it was supposed to be in la jolla Mm -hmm. And it, it, uh, last minute they changed the venue, and I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, we were in, uh, we were actually in Little Italy, oh, and Little uh, Italy, okay, yeah, Little Italy. And again, nice, nice area in San Diego. And the guy uh, uh, Douglas James, he had it in his 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 actual penthouse. So we're in the penthouse, and we're enjoying everything. We're having a session from I guess it was nine to five. It was going a little bit over, and so they gave us an opportunity to uh, after the session. Uh, they were going to have, that's when Robert was coming in that evening. Right. And so I leave little Italy and go back to La Jolla where I was staying. And man, I said, you know, I'm going to take me a nap for a few minutes. I'm going to get up and get dressed and go to the, the me and my swollen eye. <laughs> and man, I woke up at three o'clock that morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, Hey, look, what I, it's no problem. He's going to be speaking tomorrow. And uh, so I'm going to go in and, uh, you know, go ahead and, 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 dialogue and uh, meet the guy and, and and he again he was the first speaker of the day 
And man, it, we had a, it. The, the the presentation was uh, it was very interesting. It was very interesting. I tell you this though, uh, he do not he does not suffer fools well. <laughs> I mean, when he's very he direct. He doesn't hold back so his opinions of other fools. He thinks here. He, huh? He's very direct, um, uh, but very very giving as far as his information. Uh, I learned so much in that presentation. But a couple of times, a couple of guys got up and they. You know, they got off uh, got off subject a little bit, and he pretty much told them, "Hey, you know, uh, that's not what we're talking about right now. Uh, have a seat." And, was he in the uh, military before? Was he ever in the uh, military? He's a marine. Oh, there you go. Once a marine, always a always marine. a marine. There you go. Marine fighter pilot from uh, Vietnam. Yeah, and uh, he shares some of those war stories, man. And we, again, great time. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world. And uh, after he after he spake or after he, uh, he gave his presentation. Um, you know, his bodyguards or the bodyguards that were there uh, escorted him out. And I really didn't he have He has an bodyguards and everything. Oh, yeah. They're handlers yeah. and big guys. And yeah, big guys, huge. <laughs> wow. Matter of fact, I called a couple of them tiny. You know, they kind of <laughs> laughed a little bit. I kind of flexed, you know, because I, you know, I've been working out a little bit for the last week <laughs> hey, or so. Tiny, so come I, here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, man, but again, great weekend, uh, great humored. Um, but this guy is just, he's, a uh, just a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of knowledge. And, and I wouldn't have missed, uh, being in that room and, and listening to him speak, uh, for the world. Well, how many of us get a chance to see those? I mean, this guy's written, coming to the book, isn't he the guy that writes Rich Dad, Poor Dad and all, or Rich? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, I mean, just a host of books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, the cash flow quadrant. Yeah. Uh, Rich Dad Guide to Investing. He wrote a book called Fake talking about uh, fake teachers, uh, you know, a lot of, you have a lot of professors that will talk about business, but they never ran a business before. Yeah, right. Uh, he wrote a really good book called The Business of the 21st Century uh, that talks about network marketing and why he think every That's entrepreneur right. should get into uh, network marketing and not from a, uh, a business point of view as far as earning a whole lot of money, but as far as getting that world-class education, mm -hmm. understanding marketing and sales and and, and giving the rejection so that when you, you can apply those same skills to your own business. And it's, it's a great business school. I mean, he even wrote a book uh, about business school. So again, just a wealth of knowledge, man. It, I mean, his, my library is littered with his, with his material, uh, DVDs, CDs. Well, uh, only the, the wealth coach gets to meet another wealthy guy like this. We're ordinary folks. We don't get to go hang out with people like that. And you know, and the price was right. Uh, don't know the price was right. It just, but again, it, it it all happened because of Douglas James and the the Military Wealth Summit. And let me get just give you a little background on what these guys do. Yeah, uh, he he's prior service. Uh, a lot of guys in the room were veteran veterans uh, from various branches. He uh, there was a lot of guys that were in there uh, and gals, women on active duty hmm. that were transitioning out of the military. So what he's doing is he's He's affording these affording these veterans to get um, so that they can hit the ground running. A, a lot of veterans make that mistake of of going through that transition, not really knowing what they want to do, and, and doing nothing, of, coming out and then saying, uh, "Now what do I do?" And a lot of times they don't have the resources to or the luxury uh, or the resources uh, to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what they want to do. And so once they once they have get into I, that dialogue, have I heard this before spiral, somewhere? Have I heard this before somewhere? It seems like uh, I'm going to go back through the library. And when you had uh, 
your buddy uh, French on here and some others. You guys were harping this one pretty heavy. I mean, Penton. Matthew Penton. Penton. I'm, I'm your French. Yeah, Penton. You guys all call each other by your last name. French. Yes. Penton. Yeah, right. And, um, yeah, you guys were hitting this pretty hard, as I recall. This theme, this was, again, here I got Nostradamus here, the guy predicting the future here. You've been hitting this theme for years, that the military does a heck of a job taking people from all walks of life and turning them into a cohesive unit and achieving the impossible. You're flying planes, you're running aircraft carriers, you're, you're delivering you know, things on time, on target, all these amazing things you do. But their goal isn't to transit, thanks, now we got what we need, go figure out what to do with this. And you come out of the service with probably not a lot of savings, with probably somebody's taking care of your food and your accommodations and told you what to do and where to go. And you've got this skill that doesn't seem like you can transition it to the real world. I was an aircraft missile guidance system operator. What does that have to do in the outside world? And, right. and they come out, shocking number of them, not just post-traumatic stress and the difficulties of serving, but just not know what to do. Homeless, broke. Uh, you know, lots. I hear this story over and over again since you yes. brought it to my attention. Yes. And a lot of times, again, it's not that the, the government re, uh, resources aren't available to them. They just don't know how to access those resources. What and to so, do? And so, like I said, what, what Douglas James is doing down there in San Diego, man, I applaud him. Uh, I'll be a part of that organization. If he has a wealth summit every three months or every six months or every year, uh, I'll be attending that, way, that wealth summit because it's just... The, the speakers that he had come in, real life, uh, not fake speakers, but people that were talking to talk and walking to walk. Uh, man, I, I'm just, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm proud to be a part of what he's doing. And I would, you know, in the future, uh, I would like to really participate actively in what he's doing, not just, you know, as a spectator. Uh, but somebody that that directly contributes. To I think you doing, could because you you certainly know a lot about the subject. You weren't a veteran of just one service of two services. I you're the only person I ever know served in two branches of the military two times. Uh, you you've seen it from two different perspectives here, and so many since you opened my eyes to this, since you've talked about this, I've had other people come through the station. I've I pay attention more to this. Shocking number of veterans come out who not just because of stress and injuries but because of what they're not prepared they're not thinking right. a certain way and so they don't know what to do how to get a right. job they don't know how to run their own finance they haven't saved all that money they could have saved during that yes. period of time yes. they come out with nothing and because they just blow it or spend it or whatever i'm they don't think of that my future and not all not all veterans come out unprepared but a large a, a, a lot of them do and yeah. again we can't save everybody but it's a lot of them that we definitely can save and again the c programs like that are that are in place that are teaching these guys how to become entrepreneurs how to become business owners and not not just business owners but successful business owners because again while you're in the military you 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 are pretty much dependent on that system you can become institutionalized uh in a short amount of time that's the and word so institutionalized, dependent out, on it on a system to take. Yes. They feed me, they clothe me, they tell me where to go, they tell me what to do. I don't have to think for myself, right? Yes. So a lot of these guys, I mean, and Robert said it himself. I mean, a lot of these guys, they they are the entrepreneurs of the future. 
They're the entrepreneurs. Of you the would think so because they've been taught to do the impossible. They've been taught the team to 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 uh, to train others, to to lead others, to enlist others, to work as a team, to achieve the impossible. They have the skills that I don't have, didn't have coming out of college. I might have had the book smarts, but I didn't have any people skills. I didn't have to work with anybody. I didn't have to do anything. Uh, and, and so it's not that they are without, they've got real strong people skills. Yes. What they haven't figured out is how to use them for their benefit. Exactly. And I, I, I would tell anybody, the military, when I joined the Navy, saved my life. It got me out of a bad environment, uh, sent me overseas. Uh, an accomplishment was just just making it through basic training of understanding uh, what my limitations were and then being able to drive past those limitations uh, to be uh, board an aircraft carrier, um, which was, I mean, the first time I stepped on the deck of uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the flight deck of an aircraft carrier was the uh, USS Ranger. Uh, I had to hold on to the life jacket or the life vest of the person that was taking me up there. And man, it was just an experience where you couldn't even hear yourself think. And it was just, it was like a symphony of chaos. Yeah. Right. So it seems like one of the pictures I've seen of it. Yeah. But after a period of time, you know, you just got used to it. You got used to it. And I remember one time um, we had a Marine photo uh, uh, reconnaissance plane coming in and uh, the, the nose gear, uh, wouldn't go down. Oof. So we had to rig the barricade just like on um, Top Gun, Top yeah. Gun Maverick. Right. At the end of the movie, they rigged right. the barricade. Right. Uh, real life. We had a Marine photo bird coming in. We had to rig the barricade and we were up there and, and um, you know, it was just, they had volunteers. You know, you have to volunteer to go up there at that point. And Oof. I volunteered to go up there. And, and again, because if the, if the ship, if the plane blew up with all that ordnance and everything and gas and munitions, I mean, I mean, Ooh. you can only run so far. Yeah, right. <laughs> before yeah. you got to turn around yeah, and fight right. the fire. Yeah, exactly. Right. So all that you taught about yourself, everybody has the same experience. And yet when they come out, why are they so lost? They don't that's know my whole what point. to do. I mean, when I got out of the military in 1988, uh, my first uh, uh, job interview was with, with, with IBM. Mm -hmm. And I was so cocky at that point where, you know, I really thought I was going to ace the exam that, that day. It got, gave me an opportunity not to take the exam that day based on the interview or, you know, come back the next day. I can do anything here. Yeah, bring uh, it on. Not me. I was gung-ho. I was like, well, give me the exam now. Well, you know, um, in high, hindsight, it's 2020. I should have taken that time yeah. and taking the, the advice, the suggestion to, you know, go back and study, brush up a little bit. Needless to say, I didn't get the job. But I made a very good impression on mm -hmm. the interviewer and he gave me some tips and uh, said, well, hey, you know, um, come back in six months. And we'd love to have you. But I didn't have six months to wait. <laughs> so I found out about a job fair in Long Beach, California at McDonnell Douglas. And this particular time I had on the right suit, the right shirt, the right tie, the right portfolio in my hand. Uh, I had tightened up my resume a little bit more. And one of the uh, inspectors from Quality Assurance saw me, pulled me out of line, asked me why I was there, told him my background in the military, avionics, electronics, communication, navigation. Uh, he pulled me out of the line, walked into the to the building, and they were having a debate with a union steward. And they came back and said, well, we, we can't bring you in at grade one, but we can bring you in at the top of the grade, grade three. Mm -hmm. 
And Paul, I, I was, you know, I was like in heaven. I was electrical inspector on the MD-80 uh, line for McDonnell Douglas, 25-year-old kid making more money I've ever made in my life. And 90 days after that, Paul, I was promoted to a quality assurance administrator because of my leadership, my leadership skills. And I was labeled a people person. And we just, we, I had a ball in that job. I ended up working on the um, transition over to the military side. And I worked on the, uh, the, uh, the first two prototypes of the C-17 aircraft. But why is that experience not the norm? Why do so many, there are examples like that where people come out and say, here's the leadership, here's the technical skills I've got, and it's a perfect fit. Why do I hear so many come out and become homeless and they're working at 7-Eleven or something and they had some big job in the military here? Well, again, it just goes back to preparation. I mean, I was ready. I was ready to get out of the military. I, I was ready for that next step. And I was not going to take no for an answer. So the, the first no I got, I mean, for me, it's like, you know, uh, you go up to the no's to get to the yes. And just so right. happened, my, my, the first no catapulted me to this job fair at McDonnell Douglas. And, and the second interview was a yes. But you and Penton talked about how guys come out broke and they, they, they've had great jobs. They didn't, they didn't save it. You get all these signing bonuses. You should be ahead of the game. And instead they're behind. They, because they, there's no money management taught yeah, in the that's military. It. That's it. It's just no money management. And again, I was guilty of the same thing. My, my stereo equipment, um, I had the best amplifiers and tuners and speakers that money could buy. Right. Turntables. I drove a beautiful sports car, uh, jewelry and clothing. I mean, you know, I looked like, you know, I looked like a, a millionaire when I was in the military, <laughs> you know, on a, on a, on an E5 budget. You know, I, I lived in uh, Mission Valley. At the time, we had a roommate who was the E5. They gave us a housing allowance. We had a clothing allowance. We just, and again, my roommate, his 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 dad uh, worked for RTD, Remember, uh, the public transportation. Yeah, right. Um, so he was always on his son based on discipline and, and budgeting and things like that. So even my roommate, I mean, to this day, uh, this guy is, is top 1%. Again, coming out of the military, he just, he's like just a financial, just a financial genius. So with, with us, you know, being roommates and sharing stories and, you know, it just, it, it helped me, um, to whereas when I knew I was getting out of the, the, the Navy, uh, I wasn't dead broke. Now, again, I had the time of my life when I was in the military, you know, I'm a young man, single. Uh, I had the time of my life. But it's living for today. In, in it's, not, it's not managing your money for tomorrow here. So, right. many, so many people tell me that uh, uh, we've had veterans that come, come in here and done different shows, and they say they come out behind the curve. Somebody else has not only been to college, but they've got career. They've been working in a job for four, five, six years. You come out and they say, what have you done? Oh, I worked in an aircraft carrier, did avionics. Yeah, well, what does that have to do with this job? How do I slot you in somewhere? So they, they don't see that too many job employers as transferable skill when right. in fact exactly. it, it shows a, a, a tremendous amount of creativity, uh, uh, people skills, uh, leadership skills, all that kind of stuff. But, yes. they, but you ran avionics and what are you, I can't even explain what it is. How do I fit you into our organization? Whereas we don't have a job like that here. You were fortunate to find something similar. I found something similar. Exactly. But most that don't. Was, that, I mean, yeah. that was my holy grail right. is, is being having the background, but finding something similar to that. 
and for me it it just worked and then again i stayed there for uh you know a few years and and then i ended up um going into finance because i i've always wanted to work in finance and ended up going to um, New York Life Insurance Company and, and uh, got my insurance license. So a big 19- need. We somehow assume that veterans are well taken care of. Uh, the veterans are there to, to, to transition them out. And you're, what I'm hearing is too often these guys, are, guys and women are leaving unprepared for that transition yes. financially, yes. how to manage yes. their money. But we, had a, we had a woman in here a, a, couple, a year or two ago. She, was a, uh, she claimed she was one of the first female helicopter pilots I think in the Marines or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, and achieved all this great success and notoriety. And she came on, she admitted, she said, when I left the military, I, I was bankrupt within a year. I didn't know how to save money, spend money, do anything else here. Everything been right. done for me. And she had to rebuild herself back up. She eventually became kind of a personal growth coach and stuff here because she felt so right. such a need like you do to kind of give back and work on this. And I thought, right. wow. Yeah, I mean, story after story after story. So... Again, I, I applaud uh, Douglas James uh, as far as what he's doing in San Diego. And also, it it does, it takes a great team. And he has an assistant. Her name is Victoria Wade. <laughs> uh, I would be remiss by not giving her a shout out because, um, you know, you're only as good as your people. Yeah, well, that's you're what you guys in the military learn. Yeah, you can't do this alone, right? And he's, I mean, he's proven that what he learned from the military, he transitioned into uh, his professional business. And he has some really, really good people around him. But Paul, I'm, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna uh, digress just a little bit. Okay. Because a couple minutes left when, here. When, when Robert Kiyosaki was speaking, yes, uh, he made some good points, and I kind of stood up. Now he never, he never threw his shoe at me when I was talking. <laughs> he might have wanted to. <laughs> he, but. he never told me to sit down or anything and shut up. But um, a couple of things he agreed with. A couple of things that he said. And Paul, it goes back to this show. It's like my aha, my, my aha, my aha moment, courtesy of Robert Kiyosaki. Okay. And what he what he talked about is the gold standard. How Richard Nixon had taken us off the gold standard mm-hmm. in 1971, which made all currencies at that time fiat currencies, meaning they were backed by nothing. Right. Just okay? made up. So, fiat. Just made up. Right. Right. Made up. So basically, the, the our dollars are they're worth less and less because the more the more we print the more that it, it's become think it's based on inflation right we have inflation because we have so many dollars in circulation that it drives up the prices of things and it's not just not just the dollars being uh, produced but also bank credits but he mentioned that back in 1971 uh, we were taking off the gold standard. And a lot of companies, a lot of countries got scared because we were, we had this war going on uh, in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And other countries thought that, you know, again, the dollar was backed by gold at the time. And other, a lot of countries thought that, well, the United States don't have enough gold to back all these dollars that they're producing. producing. So they started asking for their gold back. And so to protect the United States and the gold reserve from the speculators, uh, Richard Nixon in 1971 took us off the gold standard. But he also mentioned back in 1974 he mentioned uh, the ERISA law and what he was saying is that uh, with ERISA that made that the pension that retirement money available to Wall Street 
And so you see a correlation between the stock market now and all this money that's, that's flooding the stock market. Because all that bunch of money they save, rather than put it in a bank, they invest it and try and earn uh, income on it here. Yes. So again, but he, uh, again, I never tied these things together. And I, and I, and I, I, I held up my hand. He pointed to me. I, I stood up and I, and I said, you know, I never understood the correlation, uh, correlation between uh, the ERISA law, the, uh, the gold standard, um, and China, because he mentioned China based on a world power and everything. But let me tell you what the common thread is and the common denominator. Richard Nixon was the first sitting president, president to officially go to China. Yeah. In 1972. Of course, right. And all the historians know this. Right. Th these are facts. This is not something, this is not fiction or something. He's famous that's for that. Made up. Yeah. Nixon goes to China. I was yes, there. these are facts. So I can remember when China was considered an emerging market. Remember that? Mm -hmm. uh, with the, China was getting flooded uh, with dollars, with, with currency from all over the world. And so over a period of time, because people wanted that, they wanted that cheap labor. Yeah, and they wanted to they wanted to trade with China, right? And so now we look at China as far as uh, this this uh, this this superpower um, that's threatening democracy, but we created that monster. We did. We went and built that. I could tell you lots and lots of stories of that period of time. I remember living through it and and seeing it close up through many people's eyes. The, sh the businesses we did and people I knew that went over there and made fortunes off of that yes exactly so again uh richard nixon again um i don't have i don't have a horse in this race i don't have a dog in this fight um i'm not a republican i'm not a democrat i'm a registered independent but i'm for based on policies as far as people that's gonna gonna do the job and do the job right let's fix this stuff but you're talking about a, a republican administration that went to china and opened up china he mentioned he this came out of his mouth, Robert Kiyosaki, that in 1971, Richard Nixon took us off of the gold standard, which made all currencies at that point fiat currency. Republicans. He also mentioned ERISA as far as the pension plans, all this pension money going to Wall Street back in 1974. And he said, Well, I don't know if it was Richard Nixon or or Gerald Ford. I said, Well, yeah, it was Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford is the one that signed the, the ERISA law into, or the, um, the, the Employee uh, Retirement Income Security Act into law in 1974. And the reason that, that Gerald Ford did that is because Richard Nixon resigned his, uh, his presidency. Right. Had he not resigned, he would have been there to sign, to sign ERISA. So again, it just, that was my aha moment because it just made sense as to everything that was going on. And then I looked at, uh, there was a law called uh, Graham-Leach-Bliley. Remember that? Mm -hmm. I don't remember that, no. Well, we went into deregulation. And so um, Bill Clinton, it was the sitting president at the time when he signed Graham-Leach-Bliley into law that allowed um, uh, community banks, investment banks uh, to purchase insurance companies and to, and to for these banks to invest in Wall Street. And yes, Bill Clinton signed that law, but it passed with a super majority. It was veto proof. So he basically, I mean, he could have, he could have vetoed it uh, symbolically, but it's, the law still would have passed because it had a super majority. 
Let me go one step further because I vividly lived that period of time. I actually wrote my senior honors thesis on the Nixon-Kissinger foreign policy wow. in college. Did so not I'm, know that. I'm, a pretty, uh, I'm pretty into Richard Nixon here. And there's a, actually a Wikipedia entry called Nixon Shock. And you can look this up, and I'll just read the first line. The Nixon Shock was a series of economic measures undertaken by President Nixon in 1971 in response to increasing inflation. The, which included the most significant of which were wage and price freezes. That was the other mm. one nobody talks about. A Republican yes. put wage and price freezes. We're going to freeze everything here because it's going up too fast. Surcharges on imports. We're going to charge more on imports. And the unilateral cancellation of the of the uh, convertibility of the United States dollar to gold, taking us off yes. the gold standard. Those were shocking. These are not Republican which you think of as pro-business and no regulation and all. He also created the EPA, which the Republicans today are trying to dis, uh, disassemble here. He did all of these things that now the Republicans rail against over and over and over and over again. It was a Republican president that did this. Wage and price freezes, uh, uh, taking us off the gold standard, um, uh, creating an uh, environmental protection agency here. Yes. And so this man, guy was I'm, a conservative. I'm, I mean, this was not, that's why he was, and he went to China, he opened up China, which started I'm the not, flood. Again, I'm not bashing Republicans. I'm not bashing Democrats. I'm not bashing independents. I'm just saying it is what it is. These are facts. Yeah. And some people are willing to face facts and others are not. And so when you start, you know, saying, well, the Democrats are this and Democrats are that, and you start talking about communism and Marxism and all these other things, you got to kind of take a look at, cause and effect relationships what caused all this stuff and if 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 it was if it happened during a republican administration then fess up to it yeah. own up to it the four uh, you know the other one that always drives me crazy is everybody the common thing is tax and spend democrats all they do is blow up the budget and now republicans again want to rein in the federal government and yet when they're in power under reagan under bush exactly. one under bush two and under trump the federal deficits went up faster and farther than ever. Each administration went faster and farther. The government didn't shrink. It grew. The right. budget deficit didn't shrink. It dramatically blew up. When they yes. get in power, they don't do any of the things when they're out of power that they preach about. And because of inflation, it, the budget, the deficit is going to skyrocket because you need more dollars. It's just a, it's just a residual effect of, of inflation. And so everybody started talking about the debt ceiling, um, which is not a problem until another administration comes into office. Now you then you want to hold it hostage. Right. But again, the debt ceiling is just based on us paying our bills. Yeah, uh, it's, that's it's stuff that we already bought. It's nuts. Right. It, it's saying you went and ran up this credit card. Do I want to pay it now? Well, exactly. I, I only authorize uh, you, Tyrone, and your and and my group here uh, spend so much money. Okay, and then you go out and spend a ton more, and you come back with the bills and say, "Sorry, I spent more," and you say, "I'm not going to pay the bill." Well, you already spent it. Why? The, so, the, what does that do to your credit? It ruins your credit, and it then ruins your credit. And, so, and, if we could, if 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 you know if you know that you shouldn't be doing that on a on a micro level, then you should understand that it shouldn't happen on a macro level. You want to stop national level. spending, stop spending before you spend it. Don't argue after you've already spent it, whether you're <laughs> going to pay the bill. Well, I tell you, again, uh, just listening to Robert Kiyosaki on, on a Sunday, Sunday morning, and the way he was breaking this stuff down, Paul, and the definitions, defining words and terms, because it's really important 
that when you start talking about financial terms and that you understand the meaning of these words because they they have power they have i mean if you put an s in the in the front of in the in the, in the front of the word word or put an s in front of word you have sword mm, wow. you have sword wow and so you know it some of these words if you don't understand that the meanings and it, it, they're devastating based on your your personal economy and that's the point that he was trying to make but again i got my aha moment when he started naming these dates and and and, and situations and laws and it all came together and i was like wow you know i now i understand the cause and effect relationship of everything that's going on but and what do you do how do you fix this how do you fix it and again this show is about um information and for educational purposes it's not based on it i'm not giving you investment advice on this show no okay but you would do yourself a favor you're or you're doing yourself a disfavor um by not putting insurance on your currency and the way you do that is by putting yourself back onto the gold standard Start taking some of this fiat money. Only so much of that stuff. They can't just print more gold and more silver. And I mean, what was what was the bank that went that uh, the regulators had to shut down? Silicon recently? Valley Bank, I think. Yeah, Is yeah. That the one that's under trouble here, and that was the bank in Silicon Valley that all the big deals were run through. That was a private, kind of a small private bank that had huge resources to fund Silicon Valley's growth. Uh, a lot of deals were run through that bank. We just, we don't want to run on the bank. We don't, because again, the banks don't have the money. It's not there. It's not there. And so when you get into hyperinflation, the money that you thought that you saved, that you thought you put under your mattress, uh, won't even buy a loaf of bread. Yeah. <laughs> buy a gallon of gasoline, the, if the, you can get it. The dollar's still there, but it takes more of them to buy that loaf of bread. It devalued. It, it was worth less. So you don't pay that, you do not play that game by holding physical gold and silver because it maintains its future purchasing power. As a matter of fact, I just call it currency insurance. That's what I call it. You mean this stuff isn't worth anything? <laughs> that says $1 on it right there, boy. That's backed by the United States government. Take that yeah, anywhere in the look, world. Look at what it says, a Federal Reserve note. Yeah. It's a Federal Reserve note. The promise. It used to be silver certificates where you could actually take that note, take that certificate into the bank right. and get an ounce of gold for it or an equi uh, a, a equivalent amount of gold for that. So for in that God, we trust everybody else has to pay cash. I was in a squadron <laughs> on Guam called VQ1 and our mantra was in God, we trust, but everyone else we monitor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it, buddy. All right. Well, hey, we're running out of time. Man. Only but, you get um, to go hang out with Robert Kiyosaki. Thanks for sharing that with us here. Man, I, again, great weekend. I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't have traded that for the world, man. Wouldn't trade it for the world. All right. Give us your, uh, how do they find you? And we'll close out the show here. Well, again, what I'd like for you guys to do, if you, if you like this content, just go to closingthewealthgap.net and hit that follow button. Um, you know, if you can actually become a contributor to the uh, to this platform we'd love we you know we'd, we'd love to have you i mean we this is actually a community here you know and we love putting out this information putting out this content you know and it just you know let us know that you support us let us know that you 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 know you you like quality content go to closingthewealthgap.net it's in the background on my screen uh, if you can't if you forget go to tyronefrench.coach uh we have a lot of matter of fact uh, there's a free uh financial plan 
uh, complimentary, uh, world class to a company called Saveology. Um, just uh, just videos, articles, all kind of stuff that's going to help you to, to put you in the right direction uh, to whereas you can literally close the wealth gap in your life and the lives of future generations. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Paul. All right. That's our show for this week. Closing the Wealth Gap. The one show, the only show that shows you how to take control of your financial future. Right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.